David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I am Elliot Harris, and David and I have a couple of great interviews with two former college football coaches who went on to become athletic directors. We have Doug Dickey, and before him, Tom Osborne. Here's our interview with Tom Osborne. I see that you grew up in Nebraska. Did you always dream of coaching at Nebraska growing up? No, actually, I really didn't plan to be a coach. I uh, I loved athletics, and I played uh, as many sports as I could, football, basketball, baseball, ran track, and uh, did that throughout high school and then on, on into college. But um didn't plan to coach at all and uh, spent a short time in the NFL. I was in the NFL for three years, and... Uh, had a hamstring injury and such that I um, realized I couldn't continue to play. So I came back to Nebraska to go to graduate school and um, wanted to kind of ease away from athletics. So I, and I thought being a graduate assistant coach would be a good idea for a period of a couple of years. And one thing led to another, and I just never left coaching. And so uh, it's, it's one of those rather twisted as it we all sometimes take. Now, as a high school uh, student, you were the Nebraska High School Athlete of the Year. I will assume that colleges came calling for you to try to recruit you to, to, to play collegiately, but you ended up at Hastings College. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some offers. I, I believe Wyoming and University of Nebraska, at that time University of Denver, a football program. Those were firm offers. I had you know, some other inquiries. But um, I also liked to play basketball and was a reasonably good basketball player. And um, the schools that you know, I was talking to all said, well, you got to play one sport. And uh, so for that reason, I chose Hastings College where I played football and uh, basketball and ran track. And um, it was a good experience. At that time, I don't think recruiting was quite as sophisticated as it is today. And Nebraska, even though it was my home state university and the school that I thought a lot of, was not doing particularly well in the intercollegiate scene at that time. So um, Hastings was the, the choice that I made, but I did have a chance to play at some Division One schools. You, I saw that you played quarterback in college, but you played receiver when you went to the pros. Was there a reason for the position change? Well, the main reason was simply that the um, coach of the 49ers at that time, a guy named Red Hickey, uh, called me and talked to me before we started our training camp. And he said, no, we only have um, 30, 38 spots on our roster. And... Uh, 
that was all they had on the pro football team in those, in those days. And they said we had two quarterbacks, John Billy White, Tittle, and uh, we're only going to keep two quarterbacks. Now, if you think you can beat one of those guys out, well, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, you might want to try something else. So I was able to get what he was trying to tell me because Ray Tittle had been all pro and a fighter for about 10 years, and John Brody, of course, was a very, very good backup quarterback from Stanford, and um, it was established having been there for three or four years, and um, so I told him I thought I could be a receiver. He had pretty good speed, and I could catch the ball, even though I had not played receiver previously, I made the switch, and uh, so that's what I did in the three years in the NFL. What was it like playing in Washington? Well, <laughs> and we weren't very good. You know, we um, we played my first year that I was there. We played over at the old Griffiths Stadium. They probably seated maybe thirty thousand. And um, the next year we played out at um, a new stadium, RFK Stadium. And that was a pretty good venue, roughly fifty, sixty thousand seats. And um, but we weren't a very talented team. And uh, we didn't win very many games at all. And uh, but it's still an honor and a privilege to play in the NFL. And I think it more or less satisfied uh, any inquisitiveness that I might have had as to whether I could have played at a higher level in Hastings College. And uh, so I was fairly certain I could have competed at the highest level. So that was good. And I saw, saw a lot of great players, played in a lot of cities around the country and had some experiences I would not have had otherwise. So how did you end up joining Nebraska's coaching staff? Well, I told you, when I came back to Nebraska, I was going to graduate school, and Bob Devaney had just been hired from Wyoming. And Bob was still at Wyoming at the time. I wrote him a letter, and he said, well, come in and see me when I get to Lincoln. So I did, and so he thought he had all the coaches he probably needed, but he uh, realized that they'd had some trouble in the dorm. Some of the players had been pretty much running their corner of the dorm, and the dorm counselors were not permitted to come in. And said, I need somebody to go there and live with those guys and keep track of them. And he said, if you'll do that, I'll give you a free room and board and a um, meals on the training table. So I said, okay. And then later that spring, Said he wanted me to come out and coach in the spring. And so one thing led to another, and eventually I became a full-time assistant and then later followed Bob as the head coach at Nebraska. And you ascended to the position of offensive coordinator in time for the 1969 season. And if I recall correctly, you had two quarterbacks, Jerry Taggy and Van Brownson, and a very successful, that's, that's uh, and a couple of sophomores and a sophomore running back, uh, Jeff Kinney. How difficult was right. the two quarterbacks? How how difficult was it trying to sell that to Stevani? Well, um, there wasn't any salesman job. They were they're both good players. They were different kinds of players. Brownson uh, was a very good all-round athlete, had a little more speed. Taggy was a very good thrower and a bigger kid and uh, kind of hard to bring down. 
and uh, an excellent passer. And uh, that first year, they pretty much divided things evenly in 1969. In 70, they both played, but Taggy, for the end of the year, I think, began to play more. And then in uh, 71, Taggy was pretty much starting quarterback the whole time. But uh, they were both talented, and having that kind of depth at quarterback was certainly very good. When you bring up 1970, all I can think of is Nebraska-Oklahoma, the game of the century on on Thanksgiving Day. And I always, I'm old enough to remember watching that game. And I always thought whoever had the ball last would be the team that would win because they were going to score. What, what was that game like on the sidelines? Well, I was in the press box. I was a little bit removed. <laughs> physically, but um, both teams were pretty good offensively, not so good on defense. Uh, Oklahoma ran a uh, pro-style 6-1 defense um, at that time, and uh, now we started running some counter dives. We put our fullback uh, in one direction, and the eyeback would counter and run the opposite, the opposite side. And their middle linebacker was frozen by that split backfield action, and uh, the center was able to get out of the middle backer, and he created some pretty good creases for Jeff Kenny. And uh, Kenny had a very good day running the ball. And, uh, of course, both teams kind of went up and down the field, and strangely enough, Oklahoma hurt us badly with the passing game. Jeff Milgram uh, threw, I think, three touchdown passes that day, and uh, we probably were a little more dominant with the running game, and uh, we didn't know much about defending the wishbone at that time, and uh, so both defenses had a hard time, and you're right, we had the ball last and scored the final touchdown, and that was probably the difference in the game, and that was an interesting year because Nebraska ended up being ranked number one in the country, Oklahoma was ranked number two, in Colorado, and both of us had beaten as number three. So the Big Eight Conference was certainly very strong in, in that particular year. Was it hard to convince uh, Coach Devaney to switch from the I formation? No, there wasn't any sales job there because uh, we had considerable success under Bob for his first four or five years at Nebraska. We won four straight. They did conference championships, and they only had one loss in most of those years. And then in 1967 and 1968, we had six and four records. And in 68, we lost our final game of the season to Oklahoma, 47 to nothing in Norman. And um, so people uh, were beginning to complain, and some talked about getting rid of assistant coaches, and some even talked about getting rid of Bob. And... Uh, so he came to me and said, why don't you spend some time and, and uh, try to devise what you think would work on offense. And so uh, at that time, I was somewhat intrigued by the formation and went to Bob with uh, my thoughts. And uh, so we transitioned from a uh, full house unbalanced line offense, which is primarily at Michigan State. And he coached for Duffy Doherty and then later at Wyoming 
And in the early years in Nebraska, we transitioned from that to the Eiffel Nation. And, of course, we happened to have a, a very fine IVAC coming along and Jeff Kenny, and that was helpful. On that uh, 1971 team, you had a, a player by the name of Johnny Rogers who returned a punt for a touchdown in that game. He, for for people who didn't have the chance to see him play, he to me he was like a betting player since Gale Sayers because anytime he got his hands on the ball, he could go for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. There, there was no way he was going to. As a kid from Omaha, there was no way he was going to get out of state, was there? Well, I think he had wanted to go to USC, but. Uh... They apparently did not recruit him. I don't know if he sent a film to him or not. But uh, he had a few offers, and he, he uh, chose Nebraska. And um, Johnny was a tremendous athlete. He uh, had great lateral uh, movement, and uh, he could make him miss probably better than anybody that I ever saw. And so he was a great receiver for us. He was also a great runner. Uh, from the wingback position, he run counters and reverses. And then, uh, actually in his last game against Notre Dame in 72, he played in the high back. And, uh, he and I weighed about 170 pounds. He was a great high back. And, uh, but in the return game, he was fabulous. You know, I, he was probably the best, uh, return and kickoff return man that I'd ever seen. And, uh, so he was, he was, uh, a great player and probably was worth 10 to 14 points a game just having him on your side. When you became the head coach at 35, did you think you were ready for the job? Well, I, yeah, I thought so. Of course, when you're young, you're always think you're probably smarter than you really are. And uh, when I was 35 and uh, I thought I had pretty good experience at Nebraska and so uh took over for Bob and uh, a very different personality from Bob. I was not quite as gregarious, not quite the same sense of humor that he had. And so it was rather a stark contrast. Also, I didn't happen to have Jerry Taggy or Johnny Rogers uh, or Jeff Kenny. <laughs> and uh, so those first few years were a little rocky, but we... Uh, Managed to survive when we won quite a few games, but certainly no national championships. And uh, as time went on, we got better. And so uh, I ended up being able to stay in one place for 36 years and coaching 25 of my head coach. And uh, that's probably uh, something that was very gratifying and certainly much easier on me and my family than uh, what most coaches experience. Multiple moves around the country. Did you have much advance notice that Devaney was going to step down and that you would send to take his place? Yeah, he told me a couple of years before that he was uh, he was going to step down and would like to have have me um, take over. And uh, so um, anyway, uh, I knew in advance that that was going to happen. Yes. You finally figured out that Oklahoma wishbone, though, when you went to it, the dual option quarterbacks. How did you figure that out? Did it just come to you one night, or was that a lot of planning? Well, I don't think you ever figure something out 
this one night, you know, we had quite a bit of exposure to the uh, to the wishbone, and and uh, over the years we began to understand better how to stop it. That involved your secondary quite a bit in the run game because uh, otherwise you just weren't going to be able to handle the full back quarterback in the pitch. And uh, so we, we got better as time went on. And I think the last time we played Barry Switzer in the wishbone, and it was about 1988, um, I think we held him to about 130 yards. And uh, it was by far our best defensive performance against the wishbone. How were you able to come up with running back after running back after running back? It, it would seem as if during the course of a season, if the starter went down, the second string guy would be as good or the third string guy would be as good. You know, it was not just the guy who started off the game. The depth always struck me as incredible. Wow. Well, we, uh, we were a running football team and, and uh, good offensive lines and that attracted running backs, and fortunately we had a lot of really good running backs from Nebraska, and you mentioned Jeff Kenny, but we also had people like Amon Green, uh, who was a, was a great player from the state, um, and, and several others that, uh, that were very good, and of course we really recruited somebody like Michael Gere, Roger Craig, and uh, they were from that state. But um, I think uh, the fact that we ran the ball well that we recruited running backs hard that uh, that attracted a lot of good players here. I remember that team and that nineteen eighty three team, you guys were just loaded. You had what Turner Gill a quarterback, you had uh, Mike Rogier, your center was Dave Remington, I think was Irving Fryer on that team and Roger Craig. I mean it just seemed like you were loaded with NFL talent there that you couldn't lose. Dean Stein cooler I think too. Yeah, we had we had a lot of talent and uh, certainly when we had the Rozier and in 82, we had Roger Craig uh, in the same backfield with Mike and then Turner Gill and Irving Fryer and some very good offensive linemen like Remington, Sanko, you mentioned we were very, very good offensive team. We, um, in 82, we lost one game to Penn State at Penn State and uh, they won the national championship and uh, it was the only game we lost in the twelve and one. And then in eighty three we ended up twelve and one again. We lost to Miami in the Orange Bowl and we went for two points and didn't make it. And um, so um, we came close both of those years to winning a national championship. We just didn't get there. And uh, we had some great athletes and uh one of the years we had a lot of really good players. So I'm going to pretty much have to go here. I've got another no. engagement. So no problem with it. For you. No, just one last question. Was that a tough decision, whether to kick the extra point or go for two? Well, not at the time. I, I felt if you were going to win a national championship, you had to win. That was just my mindset. I, others have uh, later on agonized about it. But you only have so much time to think. And I, I thought, no, the we, we thought we had a good two-point play, and Turner Gill was a very accurate passer and put the, put the half back in the flat, and, and they had a guy who made a play, and Bill got a fingertip on the ball, and we didn't, we didn't make a two-point play, I think, 
most of the time we probably would have converted that play. But that's that's football. You don't you you want some, you lose some. Unfortunately that one was for the for all of the all the marbles and we just didn't uh, didn't come out on top. But you did well though, you won your three championships. Hope you enjoyed that time with Tom Osborne. After this brief break, we will be back with Doug Dickey. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. <laughs> 